welcome to the Keen on Yoga podcast, bringing you the stories of many people who in various ways are attempting to walk the path of yoga. Our intention is to inspire your own practice and commitment to yoga beyond the mat and in all areas of life. We consider this an offering, a service to the community and labour of love. If you feel inclined, any donations are appreciated, just visit our page and click the donate button at www.keenonyoga.co.uk forward slash podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Today's guest on the Keenan Yoga podcast is Bettina Campolucci Bordi, otherwise known as Bettina, from Bettina's Kitchen. And she has written three cookbooks to date and been featured on Saturday morning with James Martin. She's a plant-based cook, which is, as she carefully points out to me, different to being a vegan. Instead, Bettina draws her inspiration from what is around her, as opposed to simply issuing animal products. This means her focus is on seasonality, sustainability, and care for production and workers' rights. Whereas these days, there are many options to choose from meat-free alternatives that still involve creating a great deal of harm and suffering to people, animals, and environment. So Bettina grew up in Tanzania to Danish-Norwegian parents and moved to Norway for her teens. After a degree in hospitality, she spent her 20s in corporate life around that area, in that area, although based um, around food still, and then moved to Marbella for eight years, where she spent a few different business opportunities. So welcome, Bettina, to the Keenan Yoga podcast. Um, lovely to have you as our second or third uh, vegan or vegetarian, vegan, in fact, um, cooking semi-celebrity, I think we can call you now. <laughs> <laughs> so lovely Thanks. to have you here. Um but uh, what start? I suppose the first thing we'll start with the obvious. We we can't start with your yoga background this time. Well, we could. I don't know what yoga have you done, but we won't start there because everyone's got a yoga background. Um, let's start with how you got into food. I think you grew up in Rhodesia. Was it Rhodesia? Somewhere, no, somewhere? not Rhodesia. No? First of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, lovely to lovely to have you. <laughs> I grew up in East Africa in Tanzania. Right. Okay, I, in the ballpark. Yeah, rough, in the ballpark, right. yeah, roughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tanzania. Actually, yeah, lovely. Okay. Um, yeah, for my first eleven years. So from 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 when I was born to to the age of eleven, uh, and then from the age of eleven to twenty, I lived in Sweden, um, and. Yeah, I suppose that I've, I, my mum's Bulgarian, Danish, my father's Norwegian, um, I've got a Danish passport, so I come from a multi-cultural background um, because of what my parents did. I did a lot of traveling from a very, very early age and sort of was exposed to a lot of different cultures and different foods and different flavors through through travels and through family, really. Um, and my family's were always been food obsessed. Really? Um, yeah, we were sort of, the, we, we didn't sort of go to museums and things. We, <laughs> we'd go to the odd museum and things like that, but all our holidays or everywhere we went was around food markets or which restaurants we'd been to or what we'd eaten. Um, I wish and... I'd grown up in your family. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> what, what was the food like in Tanzania? What kind of, was that inspiring? Was it, you know, kind of like a very interesting way to start your palate, right? 
in terms um, of early food memories? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, something to, to bear in mind and to remember is that everything was made from scratch when I was growing up. Um, mm, mm. We, my mum used to go to a farmer and, you know, I'd sit in the back seat with a sort of big uh, thing of milk and from the milk she'd make butter, yogurt, cream. Oh, wow. Um, you know, if you wanted to have a pizza, then you'd have to make everything from scratch. Um, we'd go to the sort of uh, fruit and veg market, but a proper market, and we'd get all of our sort of supplies for the week through there. There would be fishermen coming every week with sort of the catch of the day, and that's how we would sort of get fish. Um, so I think... Descriptively, very basic, but good ingredients and everything was made totally from scratch. My mum used to bake bread and that type of stuff. Um, Did you learn at that time? I mean, you know, like doing stuff like churning your own butter, that's, you know, and that's, that's kind of getting a bit involved. Um, did you learn all that stuff at that age or were you interested um, to learn it or you just wanted to kind of eat it? I was definitely I was I was so around it, but I remember the first the first thing I learned how to cook was pancakes, and I must have been six or seven years old. I don't know why and how my parents let me near a stove by myself, but I knew how to make pancakes and like an omelet from a very <laughs> from a very very early age, and I'd always sort of be mooching around in in the kitchen. So and then my. From my father's side and from my mum's side, um, all our relatives were very into food as well. So I had two grandmothers, one from Bulgaria and one from Norway, who were both amazing cooks in their in their own right. So my Norwegian grandmother was very green fingered and had an incredible garden. And every summer we would sort of, anything that was in the garden, strawberries, raspberries, gooseberries, anything like that would be foraged and made into jams. Um, and with my Bulgarian grandmother, you know, every time we would come to visit, it would always be around food. And I'd go with her to the market and get fresh produce. And, you know, it was, it was so, it's been so ingrained in me. Right, yeah. <laughs> Um, all, all of these things that are very sort of in at the moment, going to food markets, sourcing seasonally, locally, all of those things, I sort of, I grew up with that. Um, and yeah, so it's, uh, I'm very, very lucky to be able to work with my passion basically. But you weren't always working with food, right? You started doing something else at the world. And then yes. got into food later. Is that right? Yeah, a hundred percent. So I was I was always in the food and beverage industry, working in restaurants. Um, but I don't know. At the time, being you know becoming a chef, my parents were like, "Yeah, no, you're not going to chefing school. That's not what you do." <laughs> so uh, the closest thing that I could get to food was to study hotel management. So my degree is 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 a, a bachelor in business right. within the ho within mm -hmm. hotel mm -hmm. within hotel management so when you study that obviously you go through all the different stages you do lots of um internships and you work your way so you it's six weeks of theory and then six weeks of work 
for four years. Mm -hmm. So you go through all the departments. So I did that for a while. And then in my early 20s, I just started up small businesses. I had a little sandwich business called Pockets. Right. right. Where had, was that? In London? No, that was in Spain. So I lived in Spain for 12 years. Yeah, I did really Marbella, right? Yes, lived yeah, in Marbella for 12 I like years. Marbella. I, got, yeah. I got, yeah. got stuck there. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, not, uh, it's not a bad place to be stuck. It's you're not in, a bad place to be stuck, a lot, yeah. A lot of um, drug running criminals. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes, amongst, amongst other things. It's a, it's a very dual place. It, you know, there's lots of healthy stuff and amazing things that you can do. And mm, there's mm, this whole mm. other seedy side. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you can pick and choose. And you were doing <laughs> you were hotel management out there or, or you'd started up these businesses at the time doing the, uh, um, the, po the pockets and the... I did a little bit of hotel management there. So I was within the food and beverage industry. So I, I did food and beverage management um, for a little bit. And then I got into, yeah, did pockets, did a company called uh, Yacht Hampers. Mm, good idea. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it catered for yachts. Um, and gosh, what else did I do? Lots of different things. Then I started um, running wellness retreats. And that is, gosh, my daughter's almost nine years old. So that was sort of started dabbling in it about 10 years ago right and then running them properly nine years ago and i did that for a solid three years and we were doing 10 to 12 retreats a year and you were doing them yourself in in marbella uh yes with a right. with a with a partner um and i guess as you know i mean plant-based and free from or gluten-free wasn't a mm. thing then yeah. it was very much about uh juice detoxes and boot camps and that sort of thing so i guess the point of difference with the retreats that we were doing was that we wanted to feed our clients and we wanted to feed them a variety of different foods and to showcase uh, the options, the endless options that you have rather than taking away lots Just of things denial. from your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. You could have this celery juice and, uh, you know. And then well, the thing is, what do they do when they get home? I, I'm, I'm always struggling around writing a book on food and, you know, how to keep up a sustainable diet rather than just thinking of a diet as a diet because it doesn't really give you any protocols as to how to move forward, you know, and actually address or, or develop one's sense of eating. You know, as opposed to just stop everything. And then when you get out of that, it's just like, well, you haven't really kind of come through anything necessarily. No, I think there's really simple ways of doing that. And I think my my ethos when I started cooking at wellness retreats, um, the way I would do it was I'd go to a farmer's market or I'd go to an amazing, you know, in Spain, you've got lots of different food markets as you have in the UK now as well. And I would pick and choose anything that was in season because A, it tasted the best. B, it was the cheapest because there was a, an abundance of, of those different types of ingredients. And I think the, the sort of the core message that I, that I still have in my cooking is that you start off simply with things that you have available. And you don't have to go to a really fancy supermarket and spend 400 quid on 
packaged tinctures, and cereals and superfoods and all yeah, of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then you have no idea what to do. It's as simple as subscribe to a local seasonal organic veg box. They cost 30 quid a week. And people go, oh, 30 quid a week. Yeah, That's really I mean, expensive. I think, yeah, I mean, things are coming to mind immediately. Like when I post that kind of stuff, I immediately get some little bit pushback on, well, it's hard for people that haven't got the money that this, this eating like this is elitist, that it's a luxury. It's only for the people that can afford to eat like this. What do you, what do you say to that? I think it depends. If you're an influencer and you are telling people to have energy balls that are filled with expensive nuts and seeds and you're showcasing yeah, your, I'm not doing that. your grade A matcha <laughs> latte that you're having and you're putting, you know, ashwagandha and chaga and reishi mushrooms into your tea. Yes, that is elitist. Not everybody's got access to that, but everybody's got access to carrots, potatoes, cabbage, uh, millet, buckwheat, oats. Yeah, so, super cheap. I mean, you know, like millet, oats, you couldn't say, you know, a pound for, a, you know, 150 a kilo or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's crazy. And it, it does frustrate me because I said, well, you know, use the markets as well. If you, you know, if, if you're looking to, I mean, we use the markets here in France and it's, you know, they were getting organic farm produced stuff at half the price of the shops as soon as you step into a supermarket, you know? <laughs> Getting. Exactly. And you know, a veg box that costs 30 quid, and that's a big family veg box for 30 quid a week. You know, you go down the pub on a Friday night. How much do you spend? How much do you spend on a on your takeaway know. curry that you have once a week? You know, it yeah, all yeah. adds up. You can yeah. buy a veg box and that's going to last you a full week of cooking rather than one takeaway that's going to last you once. So it's all relative. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Relative to the cost of a pint now, which I don't even know how much a pint costs anymore. I have no idea what a pint costs. I Probably don't... like, I don't know. The last time I checked, it was like a pound, which was at, <laughs> at uni, but um, probably it's over a fiver now. Five, yeah, probably. But, yeah, lucky I don't drink. Um, so, what was I going to say? Um, yeah. Well, so, your philosophy of food is basically simple, fresh, local food. and As much as possible. You know, I don't want to sort of... I don't want to, you know, sugar sugarcoat it and be too idealistic because there's obviously things that I think as much seasonal and local as possible. And, you know, a veg box is a very simple way of doing that or going to a food market if you've got the time. Um, and then whatever you can afford, you know, if you can't afford uh, organic grains and pulses and things like that, then that's absolutely fine. Um, I think whole foods is, is, is the key yeah. and, and cooking with whole foods as much as possible. Why is it that this simple message just is so hard to put across generally in the cooking world that we're, we seem to be inclined or, or encouraged even to complicate our ideas towards foods, to complicate recipes, to look for more and more exotic ingredients um, and then, the, you know, as, as a kind of, as a way to restore our relationship with food or our feelings about our body and the way that we eat, why is it the simplicity is, is uh, we don't seem to kind of want to take this on? Because it's what you're saying is not complex to understand, nor does it seem to cost much money, mm -hmm. nor does it seem to be difficult. But yet, 
I'm doing the same thing and I have been since my 20s in, in, in food, but I don't know. It's not a message which, is, uh, which has a strong take up for some reason. Or do you feel it's becoming more and more popular? Oh my gosh, I think I think the younger generation are so much more I think the younger generation is so much easier to get through to than say my generation and upwards because people are so set in their ways. Uh I think that the younger generation are far more environmentally friendly, far more conscious, um far better at you know, shopping and consuming um, consciously. Right, um, really? And hmm. I, I think so, definitely. I don't know what it's like. Uh, I'm obviously, I live in London, so it's London-centric. But <laughs> there's uh, there's refill uh, shops true, popping yeah, up everywhere. Okay. Yeah, when you go to true. farmer's markets, there's, you know, a lot of young people um shopping at farmers markets and being more conscious um i i think the simplicity thing it's really really difficult because we live in a world that is so consumeristic there's so much choice with everything you go to a supermarket and there's not just one peanut butter there's 20 different types of peanut butter which one do you choose yeah you know yeah. but if peanut butter is an example, you'll you'll buy one, you don't like it, it stays in your pantry, you'll buy the next one, and then you end up with three half-eaten peanut butters <laughs> in your pantry. But you can multiply that with everything, you know, shoes, clothes, um, sure. makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we've just moved house and you know, we're just we're we're quite minimalistic in in how we consume, but still you're like, oh my gosh, I've got so much stuff. Obviously I cook, so I've got a huge pantry. So 80% of the stuff that we <laughs> moved was, was yeah. food related. Us too. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, toiletries, you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God, do I need all of this stuff? Um, so it's really, really difficult. We're being bombarded with stuff from every single angle. And I think deep down inside, people want to do better and want to live a simpler life. But it's really, really difficult when you're being when you're being bombarded from every single angle. Your phone, media. As soon as you step out of your house, there's there's things telling you that you need these things, or that you need to do this, or that you need to be this way. So, you know, I think it's it's really, really difficult. And you've got to sort of really make a decision for yourself of, of how you want to live your life. Yeah. Well, no one outside, you know, in terms of the producers, the, the supermarkets, et cetera, are going to try and sell you towards less consumerism, are they? Towards simplicity. No. They're going to try and complicate your diet and what you 100%. buy as much as possible. Buy Definitely. more. <laughs> um, well, we have, what we haven't touched on yet is the fact that you're plant-based. And I think that's how we call it these days, vegan, essentially, right? Uh, no, there's a difference, I think. Okay. So, uh, vegan, in in my understanding and the way that I've understood it, is when you're vegan, your ultimate goal is to not consume anything that comes from an animal. Right. Uh, and when you're plant-based, you are more conscious of where your food comes from. Mm -hmm. So not just 
not coming from an animal, but actually the source of your. Oh, really? That, and that's the source a de- that, of your. That's the definition of that terminology. I didn't realize well, that at all. Right. Interesting. Um, I, that's my understanding because with you know. If you're vegan, you can be eating vegan burgers from KFC and, you know, Greg's sausage rolls, which is, I wouldn't do that. Because <laughs> no, I've, I, you haven't I tried the Greg's sausage roll yet? No, oh, God. not tried it. I, I know refuse I to do yeah. that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. And I would never go to KFC and have the vegan whatever non-chicken thing because I'm supporting essentially what I'm against. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I mean, when it started, I mean, more re- recently you have the plant-based, but that wasn't around when I um, started not eating meat and dairy, and it was called veganism. And yeah, I suppose a lot of the lobby, a lot of the the um, inspiration for that was towards not eating meat and not eating any animal products, rather than eating sustainably, you know, kind of ethically as well, really in terms of uh, on a mi- um, macro scale with people involved as well. It was just like, yeah, don't, don't, 100%. You know, don't eat any animals, right? Rather no. than like, well, how are people producing this vegan burger that said it's now said a vegan and organic on this, you know, processed burger or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, I, ju- I just, I don't, I, there's, there's so many, there's so many gray areas at the moment. And, you know, the, the government are pumping in lots of money into um, vegan options such as, uh, meat replacements. Mm, now, mm-hmm. I'm I'm of the opinion. Why is that money not being pumped into soil regeneration or regenerative farming, or you know, saving our seeds and supporting farmers who are farming the land in a proper way? You know, supporting a vegan burger. You know that contains core genetically modified corn and soy that depletes our soils from nutrients yeah and you don't is, know how is, it's produced as well the energy that's pro- that's produced under the the working environment that is produced in where it's produced i mean you know all this stuff you know i i'm i'm sorry i, I don't agree with it and it mm-hmm. might be an unpopular opinion but i think that money needs to be put into farmers that are doing it right saving our topsoils uh, investing in regenerative farming um keeping our heritage grains and uh fruits and vegetables and you know supporting people that are doing it right because if our soils disappear we're we're screwed (laughs) i don't think a lot of people realize that you know and yeah and also the the stuff with the seeds i mean i've asked uh vandana shiva to come on actually let's see if i get her to speak but you know the saving the seeds you know we, we you know we're now kind of monocropping certain f1 seeds right so we've got no diversity we've got no no real kind of variation of taste as well when you've got like three varieties of apple on the shelf now you can buy with you know i mean you look at how many types of apples there are you know it's just crazy it's crazy and the different flavors and the different flavors in them rather than the gala you know a pink lady uh rayburn and a granny smith right yeah 100 percent Nothing, you know, and then also the most boring flavors because they're the ones that preserve and the kind of hardest, most robust, right? So, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Do, doom and gloom. Yeah. Uh, on, on a on a on a positive note, I think I think that you know, there's so many different options. So many people are doing 
so much that is positive. I think that the, there is a definite uh, power of social media of bringing up people um, and people supporting businesses that are doing incredibly well and doing things that are supporting all of these things that we were talking about, seasonality, organically grown, um, and there's a lot of regenerative farming popping up from um, a lot of places and rewilding um, and all of these different things. And I think the beauty of sort of the plant-based space is to inspire people to add more variety and options into their diet. And I don't, for me personally, it's not about making people go vegan because mm, I don't mm. necessarily think that it, it suits everyone, you know, from a, from a, it depends on where they live and what they've got access to. Um, I think it's important to inspire people to do better within their means, which is really, really important. It doesn't have to be black or white, vegan, non-vegan. I think it's really important to emphasize that everyone can do better and you can do better by small actions that lead into bigger actions. If everybody does a little bit, that all adds up rather than saying, this is so overwhelming. I don't want to do anything at all, um, which is a really, really important I suppose also to recognise we've just drastically lost our connection. I mean, going back to the kind of yoga roots of the podcast, we've drastically lost our connection to our environments, towards you know, land, towards nature, and and you know, and that imp only implicates ourselves, right? We, you know, we feel cut off from our environment. We feel certain respects lacking or something lacking in ourselves. And for for me personally, that was why I think I got back into. Well, I got into food really because it wasn't really part of my upbringing. Towards getting back in touch with, yeah, with some kind of context for myself, where I, you yeah. know, like just contextualize myself on the planet rather than feeling. You know, I grew up in a, you know, in Essex, in Essex, in a, in a quite a, I suppose like a kind of concretey environment, and you know, like in a suburb, and I just didn't have any sense of place. Or, mm. you know, I didn't know, honestly, I didn't have a clue what was in season. If you'd asked me when a tomato is in season, I couldn't have told you. I mean, it's crazy yeah. to say now, right? So I think it only really develops one's own sense of self and one's own sense of connection to other people and to life, right? And that's why I got into food. I mean, you know, why, what was, what, can, do you want to speak a little bit about what the food means emotionally to you in terms of your motivation behind it? Um, I think... Food's just been a constant, it's just been something that's always been around since a very, very young age. Um, and a lot of my, not a lot of my recipes, but some of my recipes definitely have roots in, in my childhood, whether they remind me of my grandmother's or where I've lived or the flavors that I've sort of experienced. Um, I draw a lot of inspiration from travels. So for me to sort of get into food nine years ago when I started running uh, wellness retreats I thought I'd love to cook on these and then once I started cooking on the wellness retreats and realized that I could you know make a living that was it which was great it was almost like I'd waited for that moment to be able to um to sort of be able to work with my passion mm, mm. So it's definitely, it's always been sort of a red thread 
throughout my throughout my life and then I was able to 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 work with what I love doing so you know on my spare t- in in my spare time I still go to food markets or if we travel somewhere uh which we haven't done in a while you know I will I will write a list of places that we'll go we'll go and visit and eat and you know all of these kind of things so um yeah it it holds a lot of emotional um it holds a lot of emotion where it where whereas it's from my background or my travels it's kind of the 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 red thread that goes through yeah yeah <laughs> i mean I, I can see you had a lot of um a lot of memories and a lot of um experiences i mean you have a great background you know tanzania and bulgaria i've been to been to bulgaria the food's wonderful there um and norway's has got a very different tradition of food as well so Absolutely. yeah a huge you know like you had a, you had a lucky start there um what what's your favorite cuisine just to break it up a little bit do you have a favorite cuisine um, so I tend to get obsessed with certain, like I go through periods. So I'll go through like, uh, I've been to South Korea quite a few times. Um, my daughter's um, godmother is from South Korea. So I'll be, I'll, I'll sort of get obsessed with Korean flavors for a period of time. And then um, it also depends on the season. So of course we've got some amazing produce at the moment. Um, it depends. I tend to eat and cook things to a point where I get fed up and then I move on to the next <laughs> flavor. <laughs> yeah, I do the same. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, gosh, I can't choose one. Love Asian flavors, love Indian flavors, you know, love Scandinavian, the simplicity of Scandinavian mm, flavors. Mm, mm. There's, there's too much to choose from. Yeah, I know. Silly question. What about um favorite favorite dish, or at least a favorite dish of the moment? Oh gosh, this is really hard. I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> ah, I know. Um, uh, I always say, I always think that toast is such a great <laughs> vessel, <laughs> right? Okay. Because I tend to, so you know, at the moment you could put tomatoes good olive oil and a good pinch of salt and a piece of toast. That's going back to your Marbella roots. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, if you want something hearty, you could put on some hummus and, you know, some pan fried tender stem and sprinkles of hemp seeds. (laughs) Or you can do... It's a bit fancy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Toast is amazing. Or peanut butter and homemade jam, or you can do coconut yogurt, figs and maple syrup. You know, there's 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 so many options. Where where are you living in London now? Where do you get your bread? Just for those Um I'm in between places now, so we've just moved out of somewhere and we're somewhere temporary for a couple of months. Right, okay. Right. Um so my favorite bakeries are Dusty Knuckle. Oh yeah. yeah, In Dalston. So I get my I get my hair cut in Dalston. So I always pop into uh, the dusty knuckle and then I get a few uh, loaves of bread. I slice them and I freeze them. Yeah. Uh, E5 Bakery, if if I'm around Broadway Market. Of course. It's very, very yeah. good. <laughs> that, was, um, that was probably my go-to bakery, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and to be fair, Gales, Gales is not bad. I, uh, not bad Gales at all. Gales great. No, Gales is Pricey, good. can be a bit pricey sometimes, but yeah, I, I think they're pretty good. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about a pantry? What about essential things in the pantry that you, you know, like in terms of people often think, well, where do you know, like, where do I start? Like, and I remember going to my, maybe my dad's or something, and he was kind of interested in my ideas about, you know, it's like, well, look at their, their pantry at the time. I'm sure it's changed 100%. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just like, there's no staple ingredients here, right? And it doesn't take that many that you can kind of then go in. And if you're stuck of a nighttime, you've, you know, you've been working hard, and you don't want to think again, you just kind of see the ingredients, right? And you can kind of easily assemble food from that. And so I always thought of like, it, you know, a lot of it's about having, your, you know, your setup ready. So when you when you when you're hungry, when you when you need to eat and you're tired, it's all kind of there, and you you've got your kind of go to meals. Yeah, I think good olive oil, salt and pepper, obviously tamari, maple syrup, miso, Dijon, uh, sesame seeds. Mm-hmm. I think those are sort of my 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 go that they're like the really basic things obviously from moving i can look at my pantry now we're in this temporary place and 80 percent of the things i brought were food related absolutely ridiculous um so those those would be the basic things i think um i i often do so i've got a rice cooker rice cooker is Mm -hmm. a really handy thing to have Mm Uh, the the Korean or Japanese ones. Um, rice cooker is brilliant because you can just saute off some vegetables and uh, really good beans are very, very good to okay. have as well. Mm-hmm. The ones that you get in glass jars. So countries like Spain cook beans in a special way. Mm-hmm. So rather than the tinned stuff, if you get the really good Spanish beans, they're right. they're very how, very good. You can you can just how literally cooking eat them. them. Yeah, how, like um, a white haricot. Yeah, they cook them. Yeah. I think you've got them in. Pa- uh, I was going to say Paris. You've we got were them in, in Paris. Um, <laughs> probably um probably. Do you think do you think a pressure cook them or just cook them for a long time? In- no, they, I think they cook them in with like bay leaf. Okay, and right, right, so right. when you open the jar, you can literally just eat them as they are. And very easily incorporate them into a mash or into a salad or into a curry. And it's a good it's a good kind of shortcut because a lot of people feel like I don't have time or I don't remember to soak the beans, you know, and, and yeah, and then it, it becomes a little bit elitist. Well, you know, you say, We need to soak your beans the night before and they say, Well, you know, like I'm not gonna remember that or there's too much work, you know. So then people go to the tin beans and I'm you know, a little bit like equivocal about that, you know, so good yeah. idea. What about um and you mentioned the food, uh, the uh, rice cooker. I have a, my, I suppose my guilty uh, uh, culinary implement is a flour mill. We've got a, a, a countertop flour mill so I can mill right. any kind of flour. And we carry this thing or it's like we're moving around France a bit right now. We carry this probably 20 kilo thing around with us. It's the most ridiculous uh, kind of whim possible. What about you? What's your most... Uh, 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 I would say Vitamix. A Vitamix can mill flour as well. And there's uh, there's the Ascent series. So we've got the big uh, container, but then you've got the little container and mid-sized container as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. So the mid-sized container I use for things like smoothies and 
dips and sauces and then the small container you can use that to grind things so you can grind coffee or flowers or you know mill things and then the big container you can use for it's it's probably one of those gadgets that I have had since I started uh cooking properly I think and again it's like the people say well it's that's a very expensive piece of kit and it is but if you just think about how much you use it over the years then you know it probably works out and yeah I mean just to take get a takeout meal or eat in a restaurant right like I guess a lot of the times we kind of feel that we have we need to have all things at all times right so if you want all things at all times then you have to cut costs as well right examples if you want all fruits at all times it's quite expensive right but if you just oh yeah, 100%. yeah you know going back to our point on you know, cutting costs and, and making food affordable that what the diets that we're considering here is you know as there's positive ones uh, affordable for all people that yeah, actually they could and, be yeah 100 percent. and i also think that eating plant-based can be extremely inexpensive mm. if you if you sort of stick with the basics comparatively to sort of animal-based um, products from, from, you know. Or just buy, yeah, yeah, or processed meals at the supermarket. Yeah, you know, definitely. Um, anyway, what about your um, biggest uh, indulgence in a uh, food kit or, you know, in, around food? Yeah either, yeah, either an ingredient or or uh, like my flour mill, like, like an extravagance. Uh, I think coffee. Coffee, good quality coffee. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I'm like I'm, I'm a coffee snob, or become a bit of a coffee snob. So I definitely, I, I won't drink. I won't. I won't go to uh, the, unmen- the, yeah. the unmentionable coffee shop that's everywhere in the world. Oh I mean, right, okay, right. That coffee is horrible. Right. It is actually horrible. Oh um, my god, yeah, yeah. I can't. Oh, I can't get my head around that. You got the armchairs though, you know. You got the arm. You got the armchairs, though. You know, you just sit back the, in one oh of those armchairs. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, I've not been in, I'm like, what? I've not been into one. Oh, you've never been into one. I have. I have to say, I have been into one. The oh armchairs. The armchairs are comfortable, but the coffee's are rubbish. They? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, well, I I tell you the most recent thing I've got. You know, I could talk to you for a long time, about, actually, because it's about food. Um, much more interesting than yoga sometimes. And uh, I've got this thing that's um, it's like a ha- Teresa bought it for my birthday, and it's a handheld grinder. Um, oh, cool! But it's like a like so you grind it yourself. I'm doing the action oh, now. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's not it's, it's, it's better it's better than um the uh you know the electric one. Yeah, because right. you're, you're grinding it. It's only like twenty bucks or something, and um twenty quid, and um yeah, it slots in together. It's a little metal, and you put the beans in, and then you grind it yourself. But it, oh, wow. again, it made me think of your pizza story at the start because that makes you appreciate every cup of coffee because you have to grind the fucking beans and then that takes you like three or four minutes. So you really, when you had the cup of coffee, you're really there and you've done the work, you know, well, you haven't done the work, you haven't made the beans. You you start to appreciate what, what, you know, the work that's behind your food because, well, just grinding the beans was hard enough, let alone producing, shipping, and, you know, packaging everything that went into the food that we're actually eating that, you know. We generally don't, you know, and it's hard to notice everything, you know, when you're opening something, how fortunate we are to have the stuff, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, Definitely. I think that that's also one of the things that a lot of kids don't know where their food comes from or, you know, 
educating children in, in food and farming and taking them to farms and seeing how things are grown from seed or something as simple as growing something from a seed is a, is a great exercise as well. We did that um, this summer. We we grew a lot of plants from seed and my, you know, eight-year-old realized that, wow, it's taken months for that tomato plant to to grow and to birth. <laughs> the oh. one tomato that we got off the tree <laughs> you, you're in, you, because you're the in weather's London. been so yeah. terrible <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I hope you told him that wasn't necessarily the realistic trajectory of a tomato plant there, you know, with a little bit of sun <laughs> yeah 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 with a little bit of sun and a, and he a might get more blood. than one otherwise he's thinking god you know like I don't want to exactly. eat this tomato <laughs> exactly but yeah there's lots of things that you can do in terms of uh I think that's a really good exercise to grow something from seed and anybody can do it. You don't need outside space. You can do it from a windowsill and it's a great exercise in, in, in seeing how, how things are, are born basically mm, and mm, made. Mm, mm, mm. What's your, what does your day look like in food? Uh, a normal day. Yeah. How do you eat? Oh, um, gosh, it completely depends on what I'm doing. Uh, I think, the great thing about what I do is that it's it's all so different from one week to the other. It depends on what I'm doing. So um, we always try to go for a walk in the morning. Even so, this is this is actually a, a habit that we kept from lockdown. Uh, we would always go for a walk as a family before my daughter started um, online school, and actually, it's something that we kept uh after lockdown so we'll go for a big walk before she goes to school uh which is really nice and we'll have breakfast uh it depends it could be toast it could be porridge it could be overnight oats um and then we tend to have a big lunch and it would be anything that we've got so I get sent a lot of things <laughs> to to try uh, and yeah. or I will try and get recipe development in, um, especially if I'm working from home. So I might try out a new recipe that is going on the blog or on social media. So whatever that is, and it, it includes a seasonal ingredient. Um, and sometimes if our lunch is really big, then we have something very snacky for dinner or we have leftovers from lunch if I've cooked a lot um so yeah anything that I've recipe tested if we're doing video content that there'll be food left for a week basically <laughs> are, you, uh, in, are you doing that from fridge. home now or are you going out so we haven't talked about your work yet you, you, you're shooting at home or do you go to a studio how does that uh, go no so in our previous um living space we i had i had a my our living room became a studio so obviously with lockdown and stuff like that we we created the studio at home and that will be the case when we move out of our temporary right, right, right. place there's no space for a studio here um but yeah we i, I work from home and what are you working on these days you've done two books now is it Three. Three, so okay. celebrate plant-based recipes for every occasion, mm -hmm. which is out on the 16th of September, basically covering all the major happenings, birthdays, 
barbecues, picnics, Easter, Christmas, New Year's. Um, so you've got lots of options in there. And uh, I'm launching great. I'm launching an online uh, course, cookery course, mm-hmm. uh, with two courses on one called Plant-Based Basics and one called uh, Plant-Based Cheese Making. Right. So that's going to be launched in a few weeks' time which is really exciting um and plant-based cheese plant-based cheese yeah lots what are you of making? things happening different different what are you making that of different uh, different ingredients macadamia or? nuts almonds and cashews hmm. yeah fantastic uh, have you tried making plant-based cheese before i have i haven't I've, with moderate success i mean some people are used to see these um, blogs and stuff they'd make them and they'd look incredible i mean just like you know just like a cheese my ones were, were they were all right they were okay i remember taking my dad to one place wasn't there a place in london a number of years ago when i think went out business in shoreditch i can't remember what it's called um and it was like, yeah, like an early foray of kind of plant-based. And he had a vegan cheese. Or we ordered a vegan cheese and he thought, he thought it was tasted exactly like, he was amazed. I mean, he's not, you know, he's just a regular guy, you know. He was amazed mm. over the cheese. He was kind of really impressed. It was like we had a kind of a platter of goat's cheese or something like that. And he, yeah. So, so I had a little attempt, but yeah, moderate success. Nice. And of course, <laughs> we're in France now. We're in France, so we do now and again uh, indulge in the regular cheese um because we're in france and <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of cheese around to tempt one yeah uh, i bet um what about your favorite memory in food what is it can you describe a favorite meal that you've had favorite meal i've yeah, had that sticks out in your mind yeah oh gosh that's a hard question can you, um, nothing jumped to your mind but think well i can remember that meal and we're sitting there and having that thing you know i can I think, think of a few of these these are my life i think uh i spent two weeks in japan uh-huh which was amazing i think from a from a food memory there's a lot of amazing food and attention to detail um i loved it yeah, our producer of the show is in Japan. He's living in Japan now, and he says it's amazing, the food there. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, 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 he's really enjoying it. So, Marco, there you go. That's a shout-out <laughs> shout to you on the podcast, finally, finally. Um, and re- recently, you've also done work on the Saturday Kitchen. Is that right? Uh, not Saturday Kitchen. Um James Martin. Right, right. He's not. Wasn't he in the Saturday Kitchen or something? I don't watch he TV, so I don't know yes, much about this. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. he was. He was. Now in he's it. got his. Right. Now, now he's got okay. his own Saturday show. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, so formerly the Saturday Kitchen, now James Martin. James Martin. And, yeah. And in his Saturday Kitchen, and um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously that's you know, like, a, like like you know quite a quite a kind of thing to be doing, and you know I mean. How has that affected you now, this this more, you know, I suppose like, you know, more recent trajectory into the upper echelons of food celebrity? Has it changed your view of food or has it changed anything? Or, uh, I mean, you know, can you say anything about it? How do you deal with the pressure? The, you know, do you feel the weight been... of expectation on, on you now in terms of the no, recipes you're putting think... up? No, no, I think it's been great. It's, um, it's just being able to share what I do with a different type of audience and with a broader audience. Mm, mm, Yeah, true. Because Mm. I suppose, you know, I've been doing social media for quite a while and I've got sort of an established 
following on there, but um, it's a different type of person that watches TV and morning shows and cookery shows. So it's an opportunity to reach out to a bigger audience and hopefully inspire more people to to eat more plant-based and to showcase how easy and delicious it can be. So um, without, without pressure, um, because I'm very much of the opinion that you don't have to be one or the other. You can be inspired to just add more into your diet and to try uh, new things without having to make a drastic decision there and then. Um, and so I suppose that gives people a bit more wiggle room. It's not black and white with me at all. Um, I'm much more sort of open to right. to letting people. But you, you yourself, uh, you, you don't eat, you're not a meat eating, you don't eat any meat in your own diet. Um, I, I eat certain animal products now and again, but very well sourced. Uh, so I do not call myself vegan. I'm, I, I'd say I'm predominantly plant-based. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Um, and I would say that rather than saying vegan or non-vegan, I consume consciously. Right. I care about where my food comes from in, in every aspect. So yeah, I think that is uh, far more important and there will be people that disagree with me than being vegan or non-vegan because being vegan doesn't necessarily mean that you're healthy or that you are supporting yeah supporting <laughs> good farming yeah. practices for supporting uh, people people the, the conditions people. of people the environment yeah yeah, yeah. And, and equally and equally there's omnivores that you know are are fantastic at uh consuming consciously uh and thinking about where their food comes from and you know equally there's omnivores that are terrible and don't care about where anything comes from so i think conscious consumerism is that's a good message is, is, is the yeah. yeah is the term that we need to move forward with rather than thinking you're vegan mm -mm. i'm not vegan mm -mm. you know there's such yeah. a you yeah i ought to be or you ought not to be or you know so it's just a kind of exactly yeah yeah we just well, need to all do a little mm, bit better mm. <laughs> yeah and to get out and, and and go and see the food and where it's from and go to the markets and be inspired because i think it's from inspiration that you know if you're going to make any change it's you know it's coming from one's own interest in it right because it's you know it's hard to to keep inspired with food every day but you know as long as you're looking around and, and thinking around it then you tend to make better choices rather than absolutely yeah um okay finally favorite cookbooks oh my gosh yeah. favorite cookbooks. yeah yeah um... i mean i'm asking a lot of these questions just out of pure interest because obviously <laughs> I'm, I'm into food and uh, yeah just just fun <laughs> I think uh, Anna Jones's latest book is great. Yeah, I love Anna She's Jones. done a really good. Yeah. It's very, very clever. Um, there's a new Vietnamese cookbook uh, by Uyen. It's not vegan, but it's got lots of veggie options in it. Um, she's a fantastic Vietnamese chef cook. Uh, her book is great. Um, Sabrina Guyor is amazing. I love her books. 
I think Gizzy Erskine's books are great. She's the, her latest one was on uh, uh, all all her recipes are sort of slow and low, which is you know the opposite of of what people are doing at the moment, which is like quick fifteen minute meals. And I think there's, I, yeah, a, yeah, there's a, yeah. I think there's a charm and and nice about you know spending a whole afternoon cooking during a weekend. Who else? Uh, Olya Hercules. I love her books. She's amazing. Uh, they remind me a lot of the Ukrainian sort of cuisine reminds me a lot of Bulgarian cuisine. Some of the dishes, again, more slow paced, made from scratch. Um, yeah, that's just a, a few. Uh, Nikki Webster. Her book is great. Uh, that's all vegan. She does really nice recipes and she's a good friend. So yeah, there's lots. There's, there's, there's a, lots. a shout out to loads of people. Any old ones? Any any old cookbooks or old food heroes? Any old yeah. food heroes? I once met Mada Jeffrey once in a book signing and um, it was such a shame because she wasn't very friendly to me. And she was such, oh, she was no. such a... <laughs> and I'd always love Mada Jeffrey. If you're oh, listening, no. Mada, I'm sure you're very nice, but she's probably not. But um. Yeah, yeah, I was like, <laughs> but I've always loved her cookbooks. That vegetarian one, have you got that one? Mary Jaffrey's no. vegetarian. It was very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so when I when I started doing plant based, I tapped into a lot of uh, Swedish okay. vegan yeah. cookbooks, mm -mm. which was uh, very interesting. Mm. Uh, we recently had Asma Khan on our podcast. I mean, I love her. Her food is her food and her ethos and her voice and what she says and her message is incredible. So big, big shout out okay. to her. Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I've not got uh, all older cookbooks. No, right. I've, a I'd bit probably more say. A, but yeah, I think I'm probably tapped more into <laughs> to the new newbies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, I suppose let's finish it there and ask you, as we do with the yoga people, on a uh, one inspiration in terms of uh, food, maybe a place, a restaurant, um, you know, uh, an ingredient uh, that's, that's coming to your mind most recently, and one guilty pleasure uh, or indulgence in food. An inspirational place. Yeah, anything that Sorry, comes to your mind. Inspiration, inspiration in food. It could be a person, it could be a restaurant, it could be a, yeah, anything that... Inspiration in mm, food. Mm. I think... A farm. <laughs> a farmer's um, market. <laughs> oh, um, there's an amazing farm that used to be an urban farm and they've now moved out uh, and they're called Allside Farm. All right. Yeah. They're incredible. Yeah. So I'll definitely give them a little shout out. They okay. do amazing, amazing produce and edible flowers. Love, love, love their stuff. Uh, and they're also a young generation that have decided to leave everything behind to go and grow beautiful food in a sustainable, incredible way. So Where are they? Very, very cool. Whereabouts mm -hmm. are they? Uh, that's a good question. Allside Farm right. <laughs> on Instagram. Okay. All right. Outside of London somewhere. Right. Outside. Outside of London. That's just outside, outside of London. Outside of London. Out there. Outside of London. <laughs> yeah. out somewhere there. out there in the scary place outside <laughs> London. <laughs> um, all right. And, um, 
Yeah, what was the other one? A guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah. An indulgence in food, apart from coffee, which I suppose we oh could Oh, my God. Yeah. Don't say I chocolate. Love a good... No, I'm, yeah, no good. I'm, more, I'm so savoury. Ah, okay. I, yeah, mm. chocolate is definitely not my guilty pleasure. Um, uh, French fries. Ah, really? Love a French ah. fry. Yeah. What about a chip shop chip? You prefer the French fries to the chip shop chip? Yeah, they need really? to be thin oh, I love thin those chip shop chips. Oh, no, really? Uh, no, no, no. Man, no. That's the only good thing that England's got going for it. You know, food or no. food, tra- food traditions. French fries right, right, right. With, with kombu sea salt. Mm, yes. Oh, I suppose you've got veganese. Veganese, yeah. Yeah, veganese, yeah. yeah. That, that works yeah. as well. Yeah. That was always, I've always said in another podcast, that was the thing that we order over here in France. The one thing I miss is that uh, veganese or veganese. Um, I, I miss that. So we ordered it. Which which one? Um, uh, taste so heart. Taste of, no, it's called veganese or veganese. Taste, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. That's follow it. I was just heart. about to go to the fridge and just find it. Yeah, follow your heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't used to be able to get it in England, but now they they you can get it there. But we used to get it yeah. brought over by another person who listens to this podcast. You go to the US and bring it back. But now yeah. it's you know it's lucky that you know things are really spreading and this this movement that you're involved in that you know is really you know it's really really taken off which is fantastic and yeah um, so I suppose all I want to say is thanks for being on the podcast and um, lovely to meet you um, thank you so much thank yeah. you for having me yeah all right thanks Bettina thank you.